You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. It is day 61 and 62 of reading through the Bible with Matt and Adam. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. So where are we today? We are in the middle of it, man. We are we're getting through what is traditionally considered the hardest book to get through. And you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie, it's been exciting, but it's starting to get a little bit like I'm glad you're with me, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it gets a little repetitive. <laughs> but I mean, alright, so our old testament reading for today is Leviticus chapter seven, verse eleven through chapter ten. So but with that said, it is exciting too. It is it's exciting. So clear what God is setting out. Like he's clearly setting out this whole sacrificial system for the purposes of like table fellowship with people. With other people. With us. And with yeah, him. So all right. Um and also like these are the the books that the New Testament audience cared about. Right. And like everything that Jesus is referencing, everything that Paul is referencing is really based off of uh, the first five, yeah. the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And so to not know them is kind of doing us a disservice in understanding the New Testament. I agree. You know, every time we say the word Pentateuch, we want you to scream real loud at home. It's today's word, Pentateuch. Okay, I just decided to start a game within our show. Uh, so let's get into chapter 7, verse 11. I believe we are at Thanksgiving sacrifices, right? Yes. Uh, so it's called the sacrifice of the peace offering, and there are three different kinds of peace offering sacrifices. Uh, one was a Thanksgiving offering. One was to fulfill a vow, so like after you had completed a vow, like a mm-hmm. promise that you had made to the Lord or to someone else, and it finally was completed, you would bring a Thanksgiving or peace offering to be like, okay. we did it to celebrate. And then a free will offering, just because you can, because you're excited. And I think a lot of times we get caught up on this idea that they had to bring offerings to make themselves right before God. Right. And we don't see it as an actual, like, this was a celebration. This was, like, something that they got to do to be in the presence of God. And you get to eat a meal. Well, that's the thing. That's what we're, we've probably said it in the last episodes as well. But just realizing it's all part of the rhythm of life. Mm-hmm. Like, you're bringing something for food. You're killing that thing. You're preparing it. And then you're sitting down and eating and celebrating with your friends. Um, only we're doing it with the God of the universe. Now, I wrote down a note that said... Thanksgiving sacrifice, food plus singing. Is there a song? I can't find it now. I wrote down that there was a song of Thanksgiving. Um, so or is, am I just, did I write that down just thinking like, oh, in the future, we bring a sacrifice. Like part of our Thanksgiving sacrifice is songs. And, but I don't know why I wrote that. I'm looking back over it. I, can't, well, I was hoping maybe you knew. I think in Jeremiah, it references that with the, well, don't worry. You don't uh, have peace to offerings it. that they would uh, give thong- songs of thanksgiving. Okay. Um, it's not designated in this part, but I think it kind of came out of like a natural. It's like an, a natural instinct yeah, when you when are thankful. You just start singing things. So. Yeah. When you're partying, your team won the Super Bowl. <clears throat> you make up songs about we are the champions. Yeah. Um, 
there is also an idea about God does not uh, want like tainted or poisonous meat to be considered holy. So he really is a stickler for if it's not uh, been eaten or consumed by day two, get rid of it. Yes. I thought that was kind of just like a, like I'm seeing really practical, God's really guiding them on just practical um, handling of meat and things like that, as well as there's holy and there's unholy. And the whole picture here is to drive out the unholy. Yeah. So like in seven, it's just a very practical, like this is how we're dealing with these things. Um, and there's like a spiritual and a physical. And the, the, again, we see them as separate. Right. But these people did not see these things as separate. And so God's saying, don't eat meat that was cooked the day before later. Right. That was holy. Burn it up. I mean, also, it, like, it goes bad. Mm-hmm. Like, get rid of it. Um, cool. So so this kind of concludes, though, the whole uh, manual of offerings, really. Yes. And so we offer sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we, of course, offer that for forgiveness and we give thanks for our food and mm-hmm. for the peace we have in Christ. Cool. Yeah. Anything else? I know the priest offered a, um, again, I was, I was always hit by that wave offering where they're making the sign of the, cro- the cross, the breast of the animal is going up and down, and then they're mm-hmm. waving the thigh. Vertically. Vertically. It's making... Um, vertically and horizontally. Horizontal, yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. And uh, so they have a perpetual due. They're being fed and they're offering it, waving it before the Lord and the sign of the cross. Pretty cool. Yeah. And then we get into chapter eight, which is, we've already read the details of this, but this is the actual, like, here is the recording of Moses consecrating uh, Aaron and his sons to be priests. And they go back through the detail just to show, like, Moses really did follow the details that God gave him. Right. And so you got the whole congregation to see it. Mm-hmm. They washed Aaron and his sons with water. Yeah. So like, there's the baptismal like preparation. They put a coat on them, the sash around their waist, <clears throat> the robe, the ephod, the breastplate, the turban that says holy to the Lord. So they're dressing them in front of the whole congregation, setting them apart in their vestments. They're anointing them with oil. There's animals for the sacrifice, right? Yep. And then they're doing like a sin, a burnt, an ordination, like with bread, they're doing all the offerings to set apart. These guys are going to minister the forgiveness of God through this sacrificial system. Yes. So you can trust them. And then Moses was like a priest to them, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you see again, dip the 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 p- finger in blood and anoint, or, or actually just the, the corner of their ear, right ear, right thumb, and right toe, right? Yes. In blood. And again, that's the whole idea of they're going to uh, hear and handle and walk in the holy places. Yes. So they're set apart, and then they got to wait seven days, right? There's like yeah, a, so a then, creation, creative seven days of waiting for this to... Yeah, so they then have to go, because now that they've been ordained, they now have to ordain the rest of the place. And it takes seven days, and they were supposed to... Aaron and his sons were not allowed to leave the, uh, the tabernacle for mm-hmm. seven days. They had to stay there. Or else, like he says, or else you will die. Right. Uh, so then, in chapter 9... Uh, well, I just wanted to say one thing, because I think it's cool. Christ, now our high priest, washes us, anoints us with the Holy Spirit, washes us in baptism, clothes us with his righteousness, the whole armor of God, you know, consecrates us, sets mm-hmm. us apart, recreates us. It's pretty cool. Like, you see all these parts, but but what's really cool is... 
Jesus becomes our high priest in front of us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we need that. We need a mediator. And so they set it up. They mm-hmm. kind of set them up. And we even today we have ordination services for ministers, guys who are, are people who are called to serve the Lord, are set apart. Um, and it's good for us to recognize that they have this commission, you know? Mm-hmm. But now we get into it. Aaron starts to offer, right? Yeah, so now Aaron has been anointed, so now he is, like, the man. Like, now you are going to offer the sacrifice for yourself, for your sons, and then for the whole congregation. And so then it goes through all the different sacrifices that he offers for himself, for sons, and for the congregation, how he does it. And then we get to the end of it, and I like it because it's like, Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. Then he came down from the sin offering, so he's on top of the elevated altar, right? and then goes down that sweet ramp. Yeah, it's like what we would call a handy, capable ramp. Yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a nice ramp. So it's like he's coming down from the mountain a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. And then uh, Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, so they go into the tabernacle, into the holy place, and when they came out, They blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Yeah, there's little parts of the Bible where you're just getting lulled to sleep. Yeah. And you're like, okay, they're doing all this. But then when you see, if you get this thing happens, and I could just identify with the people. Like if you saw a huge bull and all these offerings just devoured by fire from the sky, I can relate to what their response was. Like, it doesn't matter where you are from, (laughs) when you are from, you would shout and fall on your faces. So I'm just imagining, it just goes, they come out of the tent, he blesses, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, you know, and do all Mm -hmm. that. And with peace. And then it just goes, and everyone just goes, ah, and falls down. Like, ah, like you just scream because you're scared. It's shocking. It's first shocking. Yeah. Then you're kind of scared. But then I'm sure you're laughing and cheering. You know, like yeah, if you're really, like, this is real. This is like, really <laughs> real. <laughs> I was so scared. What did you do? Did you see that? And then you just talk about it. And then it is interpreted for you. And you saw it as the glory of the Lord just received that offering. Yeah, he accepts it. And he has the power of salvation. Mm-hmm. So like in this instance, the fire coming from heaven is for salvation and forgiveness. Yeah. And it is awesome. All you can do is shout, fall on your face, uh, and then probably laugh mm-hmm. and then talk about it for the next uh, 10 years. Do you remember when we saw the fire? Like, why are we doing this? Why are we going and doing this again? We do it however many times a week. What is the deal? It's like, well, uh, let me tell you why. Because fire came out of heaven. Yeah. If, if, you know, the exodus isn't enough for you, or the, the quail and the manna isn't enough for you, or the, the cloud hovering over uh, during the day, protecting us from the sun and the fire at night, warming and lighting this place, if that's not enough for you. Right. Okay. So that's pretty awesome. Aaron's established. This thing is real. We don't just need to look at Moses. We have priests now. Moses trusts the priests, but more importantly, God blesses and trusts this system. Right. So, so God accepts the offering, and now I'm I'm thinking it's still the same day. Yeah, actually, so it's the first day. We, this is what we figured out. What happens as soon as you know what's going on, you get you get tested. You get tested, right? Yeah. As soon as God says you're the guy, you're the person, you're the woman, you're this is going to happen. Woo! Now you know what you're going to do with your life. The next 
second is testing. Like mm-hmm. that is tested. And that's what happens with Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu. 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 Uh, yeah, so they they are now going to like cleanse the temple, like right. set it apart. And part of that is you burn um, incense. And so we're not exactly sure what they the did wrong. Smells gone. But what we're told is they burned an unauthorized fire or strange fire or strange incense before the Lord. It was not the way God clearly said, this is how I want it done. Right. They did it in another way. Right. Um, like if I were on a, a radio show and I just poured coffee during the broadcast and you heard it, mm-hmm. I might get fired. Sure. Because it was just, did you hear the coffee? Yeah, it was pretty I great. Did. Um, so they're mishandling things and no one knows what the strange fire was, right? Did you find anything? The only thing I found was it was just different. It was either easier or they may have been drunk. Yeah. They might have. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, you you might party after seeing the fire come down from heaven and then you're like, my dad is like, we're in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so who knows? And the Bible doesn't even seem to care what exactly they did. It was just not right. It just was not to the specifications of what God And we know it's not right. Because because <laughs> fire comes down again. Yes, because now we get the same exact wording of the way God accepted their offering. Yeah. The same thing happens, but to cleanse his temple from uncleanness. Mm. And so we have, they offered an unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. So. So, day one. That is tough. <laughs> <laughs> but the first thing I thought of is, <clears throat> you're right, like the purifying, the destructive power of fire, the purifying power of fire, mm-hmm. and God's wrath, but also uh, God's salvation. And depending on which side of things, you know, it's it kills you or it makes you alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just made them alive, and now it just killed them because uh, God cannot have any impurity. He can't have sickness. He can't have anything that's going to corrupt this tabernacle where he's promising to meet with his people. Right. Like this is <clears throat> like the OR, right? The, yes. the OR, you can't, you have to scrub up, scrub down, do whatever. You cannot afford to have any germs in the OR if someone's chest is wide open and they're doing heart surgery. And that's how you have to think about it. Yes. Otherwise, you'll be tempted into accusing God of being something that he's not, but you are, mm-hmm. which is a jerk. Um, so I probably can't call people jerks either. That's probably not good. This is strange fire. Forgive me, Lord. Um, you were saying something important. Oh, well, I was just going to say that. So this is still on the first day, and they had just been ordered. They're not allowed to leave the tabernacle. So your sons just died, and obviously the first thing you want to do is touch them, which you can't do because you're not allowed to touch any unclean thing. Like any un- dead things, you're not allowed to touch them mm-hmm. and remain ceremonial- ceremonially clean. So he can't touch his sons. So Moses figures it out, though, and calls their cousins to come in, grab grab the uh, Nadab and Abihu by their cloaks and take them out of the tabernacle, out and bury them. And But then he says to him, says, don't mourn. You're not allowed to mourn for them. You have to keep handling these things. Right, you're the priest. You're the priest. Don't drink anything. Like this is where he drops like, when you're in here, you're not allowed to drink any alcohol. Right. When you're handling these things, don't drink any alcohol. And I'm thinking, my son's just died. 
the first thing I want to do is comfort myself. Maybe have a drink. Yeah. Um, but that is kind of the plight of a priest or, you know, you're doing funerals, you're doing, and it's, you have to be ministering the grace of God in those and the forgiveness of God there. But, uh, what, so they drag the bodies out of the camp. They, so the whole, the, the whole place would see then like what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So Moses says, uh, Aaron, you haven't done things right. Yeah. So he's like, so Moses is starting to freak out because like, this is supposed to be a great time. Like he yeah. just set apart his, his brother and his, uh, nephews. It's triggering a lot of things for Moses. Yeah. Like, Here we go again. Yeah. I've been on the mountain, come it's, down to a golden calf. We just consecrated this. And now what? Like five minutes into it, we're going to ruin the interior of our new car. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. So he's freaking out. He's trying to calm his brother and be like, Hey man, play it cool. We hey. gotta, we gotta keep going. We just started. We have to do, we have to follow all of these things. Pull yourself together. And uh, and then he's like, what happened to that, the sin offering, the goat for the people that yeah. you just offered up? What happened to that? You were supposed to eat that. Did you eat that? And Aaron's like, uh, no, no, I let it burn up. I wasn't sure what to do. And then so Moses is like freaking out, going, Aaron, what are you like now rebelling against God? Yeah. And You're mad at God because he just uh, he just burned your two sons up yeah on the so, day of their or well day of temple ordination yeah <laughs> and it's pretty confusing and tough yeah and then so like they're like figuring it out in the moment right. and so Aaron has to just go look I I just lost my sons I don't know what to do right I don't know if God would be okay with um. Sorry, our, people are blowing up our phones yeah. right now, and it's causing all sorts of distractions. Um, 15 messages in two <clears> minutes. <throat> all right, anyway. So it, it's just kind of a honest, Aaron's honestly trying to figure out what's okay. Yeah. And then Moses realizes, okay, your heart is for God. You're trying to figure this out. You're not in active rebellion. I get it, man. This is a hard moment. You just lost your boys. Yeah. All right, cool. Like, we'll... We'll not worry about this right now. Yeah, and it says Moses approved. So they got through that one, but this is really, the priesthood has officially begun, and there's already tons of drama. Sounds familiar. Yeah. All right, so that's, Leviticus had more than I thought it would have. I was feeling a little sluggish going into it, but we got some energy there. Good stories. Yeah. And the Lord (laughs) is righteous and a, a judge. And so by the work of Christ, we will see his wrath with uh, joy and see it as unto salvation. All right. All right. Let's talk about Jesus a little bit. New Testament. Our New Testament reading is Mark chapter 11 through chapter 12, verse 12. All right. We are in, um, is it the triumphal entry? Is that what we call it? Yes, so Jesus has been marching towards Jerusalem. That's right. Uh, ready to face, like he knows the end is coming. He's ready to basically be very clear on who he is to everyone. Yeah, he's so clear that he tells them to go and find a colt tied to a tree. And if people ask, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord is need of it. He's so, um, he's declaring who he is to the point of, I'm going to come into Jerusalem 
as king, wasn't it King uh, Solomon? Not, it was uh, uh, David's son. Solomon came in on a donkey. Possibly. On the king. So basically, it's you come in either on a, a war horse with mm-hmm. all your soldiers saying, I am in control, or you come in during a time of peace on a donkey saying, I'm your king and I rule with peace right now. And Jesus very clearly says, is saying, I am the Messiah. Yes. I am ruling. I am the king of the Jews coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, a peace, a, uh, a, an animal of peace. So again, um, people kind of understood that. That's why they then responded by uh, laying out a red carpet, as it were, like the palm trees and saying, Hosanna, like you're going to save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, blessed is the ki- coming kingdom of our father David. So they are basically saying you're just you're in the line <laughs> of David coming in on a cult. A yeah, so there, there is like a, a reaction. Like they understand what he's doing, who he is. Now, I can't remember if I said this last episode, um, but the time of Passover was a really tense right. time for uh, Jerusalem politically because mm. they're celebrating and remembering a time when God miraculously saved them from an oppressing nation. Yeah. And right now, Rome is ruling over them and oppressing them. And so Rome got kind of tense and touchy around these times of Passover. Well, because everybody from the surrounding, it's been dispersed. Yeah. And they're all, like, they've all been dispersed over all the um, exiles, right? So they're all coming into Jerusalem. A lot of people are flooding in. It's a big festival to celebrate the deliverance from an oppressive government, Egypt. Yeah. And so, yeah, it is like we need a little more security. We need a little more, like, keep this... Remind them of who's really in control. Yeah, so Pilate would go to Jerusalem during this time and would make his presence very clear. Right. And now you have Jesus walking into this very, like, already tensions are high. People are looking for a Messiah to save them from an oppressive government. Jesus comes in on a cult. Like, I don't know. I just never, like, really sunk in, like, how intense and how like touchy this this this, is and this is what we call palm sunday yeah and it is the beginning everything after this event triumphal entry palm sunday is leading to his a week later he'll be dead and resurrected like this is the last week of his life yes so he's coming into the final stretch and people are rejoicing and and we've we've said this because it's important is jesus is receiving worship Mm-hmm. He's allowing people to say Hosanna. In the past, he's like, shh, don't say anything, be quiet. But now it is time, the time that he has chosen to give up his life. He's, it's not being taken from him. He's not being surprised attacked. The enemy isn't winning by his death. He is choosing to give it up. He's choosing to receive praise. He's choosing to receive prayer and be called God. So that's why Palm Sunday is a big deal. Yeah. And he's choosing to reveal his authority over the Romans, yeah, over all authorities on earth, because he is the Son of God. Boom, Hosanna, yeah. save us! And people recognized it enough. And uh, in the other other gospels, it'll get more into a conversation about how he receives. But Mark keeps it short and sweet. So yeah. let's go with Mark this time. He gets right to the uh, fig tree, right? Yeah. So he he comes back to the fig tree scene where it's like again, Mark is highlighting the humanity of Christ. Hmm. And it's going like, and he was hungry, like Jesus was hungry. And so he walks right. over to a fig tree and try, and looks for figs. It's so early. 
in the season, but they should have something. Right. And uh, he doesn't see anything. And uh, he curses it. He curses it. But yeah, I like the hunger thing, though, because God chooses to use the weak things, the foolish things. God chooses to use a burning bush. He chooses to use bread and wine. He chooses to use water. He chooses a body. And Jesus comes to earth, and he's hungry. Mm-hmm. And so right before that, he's receiving praise as God, and then the next minute, he's hungry. That is, that's the beautiful, like, mysterious power of God, which says, I'm going to, to do this. I'm going to find a temple to dwell in, mm-hmm. and Jesus is it. And then Jesus makes us the same way. How can we be sinners and saints at the same time? Right. And um, that's the power and work of Christ. So he curses. He has the power to, he just says, all right, may no one ever eat of this tree again. And then they go back into Jerusalem. Right. And this is where he, f- he goes into the temple. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like the fig tree was like a precursor saying, no one's going to eat from this again. And then he goes into the temple and basically says, you know what? No one's going to eat from this again. Yeah. The temple is, <laughs> is gone. The temple is going to be destroyed and raised up in three days. Yes. And um, so he, this is where he flips the tables. He overturns the tables of the money changers and... Um, and would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And then he was teaching them, saying, It is written, So my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And then from this point on, too, I mean, this begins Holy Week. The priests, the elders, the chief, everybody, they're looking to kill him now. Yeah, so I, again, always understood this on, like, a, a religious level from, like, like the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees getting like very offended by this action because he's challenging their authority. Right. But I never connected it to an even further level, which is this temple was built out by Herod Mm -hmm. and all uh, religious sites were under the protection of Rome. Right. And so he comes in and clears out this temple, basically kind of does like a terrorist act Right. That could be seen as that. He walks in, whips people, drives them out, and sets up his, like, I'm in charge here. This is my father's house, and I'm going to tell you how to do things. Right. And, like, this is a very, like, on all levels, offensive maneuver. And they even realize, like, obviously you don't care what people think of you. Yeah. Wow. What are you doing? First of all, you're upsetting the people who are over us. Second of all... You're upsetting us. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Jesus does this because they've corrupted the whole sacrifice. Like they've, you know, we're just reading about the temple. No one is bringing their own sacrifice mm-hmm. from wherever they came. It's too difficult. So they negotiate and say, ah, oh, it's hard to walk, you know, 30 miles with a bull just to sacrifice it. So now they've made agreements to show up, just buy a bull. Mm-hmm. The people who work, the temple worker, the priests agree, don't bring it from the flock, even though God clearly says that. We'll just provide one for you. And then we'll exchange money. We'll charge you exorbitant rates of exchange mm-hmm. because we know you're like looking for a tuna fish sandwich at the airport. And right. now all of a sudden it's $12 yeah. because you have nowhere else to go. And Jesus says, you have not only followed, not followed the letter of the law, but you've of course ruined the spirit of the law and you're trying to steal from my father. You're just trying to manipulate my father as if he's some other God mm-hmm. because that's how you do it. There's a legal component to how we approach God. Like if I give something, I'll just give it to him and then I'll get something in return. And Jesus says, that's not what this is. This is not karma. Right. right. In fact, you do good, you might get crucified. Mm-hmm. And we just have to get that through our heads. 
And instead, what our bringing sacrifices to God and coming into his temple is saying, you've chosen us, you've called us to yourself, and now we wash our hands so that we can be with you. And they're missing the point. So Jesus um, is allowed to be very, he should be upset. And then we, after that, we come to the uh, fig tree again. Yeah. They walk by it the next morning, and it's withered up from the roots. And Peter's like, whoa. He's like, uh, that's crazy. And again, Jesus is like, have faith in God. Truly, I say, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, hmm. and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you if you have anything against anyone, so that your uh, Father who is in heaven might forgive See, you your trespasses. This is so amazing in light of Leviticus. Yeah. Because Jesus is saying, the temple is going away. Mm-hmm. You're going to move this mountain by prayer. Yeah. Which means now, I'm think- in light of what we did in Matthew, I'm thinking now... We, could, we have this mountain anywhere by faith, so mm-hmm. I can ascend to God in the name of Jesus Christ. And then even the idea of going to God anywhere is revolutionary to these people, right? Because yeah. there's a temple. Yeah. And then the idea of forgiving others, who offers forgive? We don't forgive like that. The priest forgives with a yes, sacrifice. Yes, yes, yes. And so forgiveness is not something that we oh, engage. That's good. Forgiveness is something that a priest engages on our behalf, and we just have to go with the sacrifice. And so, like, what a revolutionary teaching that, I mean, he says, your father also who is in heaven may forgive you. So we forgive, and we are forgiven Mm -hmm. by his sacrifice. So Jesus, the sacrifice, is like, look, I know it's too much for you all to bring your bulls and bring your goats and rams and lambs, but I am going on your behalf Come in my name, and now you can forgive. You can be forgiven. And if you don't, the bad news for you is, wow, you're wasting the power of God has become manifest among you, and you're totally squandering it and abusing it. Mm-hmm. So like, be aware that all this is changing. It's better, but it's also going to be worse for those who um, reject it. Yeah, that is good. Like he, That's what he's saying when he's like, whenever you stand and pray. Yeah. Because it's... No longer you have to go to the temple. He's changing everything. I never really connected. No, yeah. He's like, now you get to do it wherever. And and even in the ancient world, temples are where gods met you. Mm -hmm. And so, wait, you're saying I can meet with my, you know, even if you were a pagan, Mm -hmm. the idea is actually not accepted. They still think you go to these certain holy places. Huh. Yeah. That's revolutionary. Well, is that where we end or we go? No, no, we go to 12, 12. Good. So the authority of Jesus then is challenged, right? Because the chief priests and the elders and the scribes, they're like, they can't handle it. So they try to trick him. And uh, they say, by what authority do you do these things? And this is where you see Jesus, again, now being a great politician. Mm -hmm. It's something I'm trying to teach my kids. is if uh, If you get involved in a conversation with people and it's about politics or religion or something, you have to assess, are they really listening? Are they really able to have a conversation? Or is it just saying what they believe and then hating what they don't believe? Mm-hmm. And, and you have to kind of assess that because sometimes uh, I've gotten into conversations where I wanted to teach or I thought I had something to offer and realized, oh, they didn't really care. And that's what you see here. Jesus knows, oh, they're not really open to knowing where my authority came from. So he just asked them, I'll ask you a question. Mm -hmm. It's funny. And it's funny because 
He exhibits his authority over them. Yeah. I'll ask the questions. No, we are the chief priests. We ask the questions. No, I'm going to ask the question. And then they fall for it because he actually has authority. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't say, no, 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 we, we don't answer your question. You tell us. They didn't fight. They go, oh, that's a really good question. Because what he said was, uh, was the baptism yeah. of John from heaven or from man? And again, Jesus' question gets right to the reality that their authority is about popularity. Yeah. And that's how they have to think about it. Oh, no. If we say he's from heaven, they'll say, why didn't you believe him? Oh, no. If we say he's not from heaven, we have to say, you know, the we... The people get mad at the us. The people get mad at us because now we don't believe in that. And so their answer was, we don't know. So they took a position of in, inferiority. Yeah. While asking, what authority do you have? I think it's pretty brilliant. I think it's funny. And I think Peter has told Mark this, and that's why Mark's written it down. Like, look at our chief priest. Look at our leaders. Mm-hmm. Even in their bravado, they end up cowering like, I don't know, mm-hmm. even though they have a strong opinion. They're not free at all. They don't even have authority over themselves. And so Jesus says, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things either. Mm-hmm. And they know that he wants to say something, but he's not the same way they want to say something and they're not. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun. Yeah, and then we get into, then he's like, now I'm just going to slam you through parables. Yeah, now let me tell a parable, (laughs) which will uh, actually answer the question by what authority I'm doing this. Yes. So I don't know if you want to just run through the parable or uh, you want me to? Uh, Yeah, so it's just like, it's the, we've gone over this parable again uh, before and it was the parable of the tenants and he's saying a man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it and hired uh, sharecroppers to work it. And then when it would come for the season to, for him to get part of his his portion because he bought the land, uh, he would send a servant and then they would beat him up. It's, and he kept sending like more and more servants and they would either beat him up, kill him, or make fun of him. Right. And uh, finally, he's like, I'm going to send my son and on it, they will have to respect this. It's my son. And they see the son of God. Yeah or the son of the owner, and they're like, we're going to kill him because if he has no heir, we get the inheritance. Right. There's some truth there. Yeah. Uh, and then he asks, in this one, he just asks, and there is no answer. He <laughs> just goes, what will the owner of the vineyard do? And he's like, he will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Right. Uh, which is pretty intense because he's basically telling them, you've mishandled the things of God. You were the original tenants of the word of God and the things for salvation. Mm-hmm. And you've mishandled them and have killed the prophets. And now you're going to kill the son of God. And this vineyard is now going to be handed over to others. It's to me also, I mean, it's answering the question of authority. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the son of the vineyard owner. Yes. God has been patient with you and allow you to kill prophets and those who have come before. Mm-hmm. But God's pun- God's patience is about to end. Like, I'm taking this kingdom and this vineyard, the thing that should have been your inheritance, I'm giving it to Gentiles. I'm right. giving it to people who can trust me and my son. And, uh, and then Jesus quotes the scripture. I don't know if you know uh, where that scripture is found. He quotes the scripture. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Like, it's a scandal, Mm -hmm. and this is going to be the cornerstone. The fact that they kill Jesus. And again, this is the week leading up to Easter. 
and uh, and Jesus is starting to just be very bold about his uh, mission, who he is, and what it's going to accomplish. And I think even referring back to Leviticus, it's going to be for judgment for some and for salvation for others. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Of course, after hearing this, instead of being in awe, they uh, sought to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them, so they (laughs) left and went away. So that pretty much answers their question of authority. Mm. They're like, "Eh, uh, we're scared. The people love this parable. And the leaders were scared, went away, and just in the quietness of their own places were trying to figure out how to kill Jesus. And uh, they will figure it out. Wow. That concludes the uh, New Testament for today. Let's move into Psalms. So from our Psalms today... We had Psalms 28 and 29. I'm going to read a portion of 29. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes a deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll see you next time. <laughs>